So one of my favorite sayings is, do you actually have 10 years of experience or do you have one year of experience repeated 10 times? I don't believe in just putting in the 10 years of work. It's putting in the 10 years of work with the right support mechanism and support structures where every single one year is taking the borrowed accelerated path of someone's 30, 40, 50 years. And that's what I wish I did earlier. Because the biggest shift and change for me was that I finally hired a coach. What coaching really does, it just helps you reduce the time of sucking at something. We stand today. This is Method with method. a shout The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring over 500 episodes of entrepreneurs and high-performance experts dissecting their different methods, tools, and strategies so we can apply them to our businesses and lives. We've been fortunate enough to interview some of the leading experts in business and performance today. The billionaire CEO of Priceline, Jeff Hoffman, the CEO of Chipotle, Monty Moran, world's top big wave surfer, Laird Hamilton, the first black woman to build a billion dollar company, Janet Halroyd, world's top investment expert, Jim Rogers, and the list goes on and on. All of these guests you can find on the podcast backlog using Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, and any podcast app you prefer. Also, you guys, have you started listening to our micro high performance episodes yet? We've taken the most powerful tips and tricks from over 400 interviews that our guests have shared on how to optimize their own personal performance, and we've made them into digestible micro-podcast episodes that are just two to 10 minutes long. We publish these on Monday and Friday each week, and those episodes are labeled as HP number 123456 and so on. Those episodes are live now, and they're designed for you to consume some quick, high-quality content while you only have a few minutes to spare. So be sure to subscribe to the Business Method Podcast on your favorite app so you can get those delivered as soon as they're live. And now, let's hop into today's episode. The Business Method. Hey listeners, real quick before we get started, I wanted to tell you about our trips and adventures for entrepreneurs. We have live events in different locations around the world, luxury trips to the Caribbean, adventurous trips to knock off your bucket list, and of course some private business events as well. If you're an entrepreneur, we'd love to have you join us. Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at thebusinessmethod.com to stay updated. And for those established entrepreneurs out there that want to be involved in a community that is curated specifically for seasoned business minds, then we have a group for you. Inside this group, we have private live events in different locations around the world specifically for our members. We get those members in a place where they can connect, collaborate, and grow their companies faster just by being around one another. We also organize private podcast viewings and Q&A sessions with some of the world's top entrepreneurs like Jim Rogers, Alex Hermosi, the CEO of Chipotle, the marketing mind behind GoPro. And as a member of our group, you'll get to hop on calls with our podcast guests regularly to ask them any questions you want. And the last benefit is access to private world-class masterminds that are specifically curated for whatever challenges you're going through at the time. Our purpose with this private community is to help you expand your network, connect with some of the brightest minds in business today, and help one another overcome business challenges faster. You can learn more about our community at thebusinessmethod.com. Remember, subscribe to stay updated. And now, let's hop into today's show. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. 
Listeners, welcome to the Business Method Podcast, or welcome back to the Business Method Podcast. I'm excited to welcome a friend to the show today. His name is Zion Kim. One of the things I really like about Zion is he's very passionate about helping other entrepreneurs grow, which is a passion that I share as well. One of the things that I do every day and just kind of wake up and think about consistently is like, how can I help my friends grow their businesses? How can I help my friends achieve their dreams? And I believe he shares this passion as well. But also Zion is kind of like, there's not a lot of stuff out there in the world about Zion, but he's kind of like the man behind the man in many respects, or the woman, the man behind the woman, that that are helping all these entrepreneurs from all parts of the world grow and scale very successful businesses. So he's on the podcast today, you guys. Zion, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? I am so good, and thank you for that intro. <laughs> Do you feel like that accurately describes you? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it, it, it's very comical when a lot of people kind of look me up and see that there's nothing really online about me. And of course, I'm working on changing that at the moment. But um, yeah, I've very much been, you know, the whisperer uh, and behind the scenes <laughs> on quite a few people, quite a few different businesses and um, very much changing that at the moment. Do you are, are you doing that because of own, an own personal desire or have other people, has it just come to the point where the rest of the world needs you? So you've got to create more of a personal brand or what's your thought process behind that? Yeah, um, there's a couple different things. Um, number one, I think that being behind the scenes served me really well for a while. And honestly, um, I think there was a level of building confidence because of my own insecurities and, um, and being behind, you know, I've worked with some of the top influencers in our space, right? So being behind people who are so charismatic, so amazing on video, um, and it has been incredibly rewarding. And it's just also fast tracked a lot of my learnings and my growth, right? Like I've been able to work with people where um, I just get to see where they're at um, and help them build businesses that serve their audiences and then help to really uh, accelerate and catalyze that growth in a really meaningful way. And, you know, that has really helped me with a lot of learnings. And based on that, um, you know, I'm also not in my personal life, really a behind the scenes person. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a, a certain level of an inevitability of, okay, well, I can only stay behind the scenes for so long. And at this point, I've definitely reached, I think I've reached a tipping point of, hey, you know what? Um, you know, because I have spoken in front of audiences of hundreds, if not thousands and, you know, of people, and I love it, right? There's a there's a joy uh, for me that comes in a certain resonance in the message I desire to share. And I feel like there's a level of certain responsibility um, that I hold because, you know, I'm not, I'm not a person, you know, and yeah, I'm not necessarily just the person that wants to be behind the scenes. So I think there's an integrity piece there as well, mm -hmm. right? Of, uh, at some point, um, I know that the only reason why I'm not is because I'm hiding and it's actually fear driven more than anything. Right. I, I, I had that before in my experience as well. Um, I was helping a lot of people grow either their personal brands or uh, their businesses in different ways. And uh, I got to the point where I was like, this person's experiencing significant success because of the work that I'm doing behind the scenes. And really deep down, I want to be experiencing that success uh, at that level uh, with that type of personal brand as well. 
And so that was kind of a shift for me. And it was like, okay, what is this driver that's behind it? It was just an insecurity, um, even culturally, because I'm from the Midwest and people don't naturally boast about themselves in the Midwest. It's kind of uh, frowned upon in that culture. And so it was like, okay, well, I've got to kind of tackle this differently and see it differently if I want to achieve um, what other people have achieved that I desire as well. So go ahead. No, and, and I think it's important to note that um, I didn't necessarily feel that in terms of the, oh, I built the, uh, well, I guess there's a flavor of that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I built other people's businesses, but more recently, um, I think that my compensation for doing so has really matched the value that I'm outputting. So that, because, so that actually stopped being a reason. Um, so I think I've just kept checking off the boxes of uh, excuses that I can hold uh, myself <laughs> or <laughs> it's like, oh, well, actually, I'm, I actually paid quite a bit of money now behind the scenes, right? In the form of, um, you know, different types of business deals, rev shares, partnerships, um, or just straight, you know, fixed cash amounts, right? So yeah, um, now that we erased that one, it's just purely, you know, because I love seeing the people I work with win. Like it's, it's one of my greatest joys at the moment. What would be the desired level of personal brand success that you would want. And I think the more successful we become, you know, the more we'll be out there. Right. And so you have Brad Pitt, Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey level where they can't go anywhere in the world without being recognized. Right. And then maybe you have Joe Rogan. He can probably go a handful of places around the world without being recognized, but even in his own cities, you know, he's probably is. And then you have, you know, maybe just say entrepreneurial influencers like uh, maybe Jim Rogers or Alex Hermosi, you know, and they're they're recognized in their circles and they're they're famous in their circles. But you go outside the entrepreneur circles or investment circles and nobody knows or really cares who they are that much as well. So have you ever thought about that? Like, what is that desire um, of being out there, like the level that you would you would want for yourself? Yeah, I think for now, because um, it, it's very much in alignment to my first goals, right? And for now, um, my highest desire is to be in service to more entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, um, that mission of our company is going to shift so I can be in greater service to folks that are not entrepreneurs. And I would want my platform uh, growth to be directly correlated to that. Um, you know, because for me, I don't care to have platform for the sake of having platform. I, I want, I desire to have platform because um, I know the leverage that it comes with and, and the capacity of what I'm able to do with it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even just uh, being able to shine a light on the things that I care about, right? I, I think that, you know, there's a level of frustration um, that I've reached with myself personally of, oh, wow, like this is a really awesome product that I love to blow up. And, you know, I wish I had uh, a bit more of a pull, right? So um, so I know that I'm a, an influencer in a more non-traditional sense of, you know, of yeah, I have the ears of people that have huge audiences, right? And I can go hit them all, hit all of them up. So right. by the ripple right. effect, um, you know, by that ripple, uh, I'd say my reach is quite wide, uh, probably wider than, you know, any one individual influencer. Um, and then uh, there's the other side of, well, you know, I'd love, I'd love to not have to like go through other people in order for me to, you know, kind of achieve what I desire. Yeah. I, I want to dig in to some more nuts and bolts, but first I want 
to get to know you better and I want the audience to get to know you better, to see exactly who you are, you know, the companies you're running, the people you've helped and, um, and why we should listen to you. And so I know you've had kind of a, a crazy backstory. So where would be a good point to start to, uh, if I was listening to the podcast, anybody's listening to the podcast, they could, they could say, okay, this was, maybe the beginning of the evolution of Zion and who he is today? Um, yeah, I would say that, uh, well, just to take a step back, I'd say, you know, I started my first business when I was like 16, right? And then okay. there was a first, then there is um, what I consider my actual first business, which was at uh, 19, which was custom clothing for fraternities and sororities. And nice. you know, then I ended up launching, you know, New Jersey's largest co-working space, and you know became uh you know, pretty well known in the startup communities at least like in the new jersey community right um but since then you know i left all those things behind and started an agency and like that's kind of where i started getting my chops uh for marketing right even more okay um because i used to work with uh you know the biggest company i worked with at the time was like dell computers um, and you know, they were a client through an agency I worked with, but I managed their entire social strategy when I was in college. Right. So, uh, and this was for, um, you know, targeting the college demographic to sell them more Dell computers. Uh, we were their only profitable marketing campaign at the time. And I was, you know, when I was, uh, 19 um yeah I, I oversaw 70 students across 35 campuses and their, the entire social strategy on how that worked. Right. Nice. So. Um, so, and then, I mean, even in high school, like super fun fact is I also was the administrator of the largest gaming league, uh, in history at the time that pioneered all professional gaming that is, you know, professional gaming today. Wow. And that was when I was 17. I actually lied and told them that I was 18 so that I could <laughs> you know, make the cut. Right. So, um, you know, and so I oversaw a division of over 40,000 players, which was the largest gaming division um, in history at the time. And this was well over 20 years ago. Right. Um, yeah, just just over like almost 20 years ago at this point, uh, maybe 15, but math, right? So, um, so you know, I, I share all that because I think there's like different things in the evolution of um, my past that I've just been able to learn from. And then I gained a significant contrast because I also work with some of the biggest home service companies in the country, um, from like the 10th largest, largest mortgage company to the second largest long care company to like the largest moving company to largest specialty insurance company and so on and so forth, right? So, you know, companies in like the 30 million to a few billion in revenue. And, you know, most of these companies, like I've never spoken to the CEO before, mm-hmm. um, which is a stark contrast from, you know, the 300 companies I've worked with in the last, you know, three years or so, where I'm working directly with the founder where, you know, they are the business, right? right? So yeah. it, it, it's been a fun contrast to go from, you know, helping build out the digital programs, the digital acquisition strategies for um, <laughs> industry leading companies to, um, you know, now working with like, you know, what we consider a lot of the industry leaders of um, just thought leadership, right. And in, in their respective industries and, but really working with a lot of like these personal personality brand driven based businesses. And, yeah. you know, so that's, that's been, um, and, and to me, it's all, um, it's all lead gen, it's all marketing, but it's all really building relationships at scale. 
And it's just a transition in terms of, you know, one was on behalf of a, you know, um, a service. And, you know, now it's still a service, but you're also selling the humanity of the individual. And, you know, and I think that that whole transition has been quite exciting, right? So, um, you know, so I'd say in the last, you know, uh, 10, well, in the last year or so, um, I probably worked with like six, seven companies pretty closely, all mm-hmm. between one and five million. And they've all grown between, they've either, they've all at least doubled uh, with the biggest growth inside of one year being literally a 10x difference in, in terms of their growth. Did you, did you, so starting that young, um, I'm always curious if the, the, the individual that starts in their teens, starting businesses in their teens, if they're naturally gifted as an entrepreneur, if you, you grew up in an entrepreneurial family, if it was just something that, um, you know, your, your parents did and you naturally picked it up because of watching them. So what was it like for you? Um, my, my parents were small business owners. Okay. So I wouldn't necessarily call them entrepreneurs. Um, Cause it's a, you know, my mom had a nail salon and my dad opened up like laundromats and dry cleaners, but he was also a pastor. Right. So it's a very uh, stereotypical, interesting kind of Korean mix of um, professions <laughs> that people stepped into. Uh-huh. Um, but honestly, starting my first business was more of an act of rebellion uh, than it was um, desire. Okay. Uh, it was more of, oh, I have to be 18 to do this, but I'm not. Okay. So it kind of sounds cool that I can just do this thing. And it, honestly, that's more so where it came from. Then it was like, oh, there's this opportunity in the market and I'm going to take it. It's like, no, like I found out there's people making money online and everyone told me I had to be 18 to do so. And I wanted to figure out how people were making money online. Who told you you had to be 18 to do so? Was this like a thing? Well, every- you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating, right? Because... Um, every application that I saw for a job was like, oh, you have to be 18 or older, mm-hmm. right? And every time I wanted to fill out anything legal, it's like, you have to be 18 or older. Oh, you need your uh, guardian or parental um, you know, permission for right. you know, really filling out anything at that point. Yeah. So even if it wasn't explicitly told to me, I think there was an assumption that I made at the time mm-hmm. around how I believe the constructs of the world apply to me. That makes sense. So you're rebelling. A 17 year old you is rebelling against society by saying, "No, I'm going to make money online at 17, but I'm going to tell everybody I'm 18." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. Hey, real quick to the listeners out there, I want to ask you something. What are you doing to optimize your day to day performance and productivity levels? You know, guys, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, and we're always trying to learn more and more about how each and every one of us can optimize our performance. The reason why I'm asking you is because today our show is sponsored by the good folks at Seas. Seas is a mental wellness company that aims to empower entrepreneurs and high performers with supplements to enhance their productivity and minimize their pain points. Flow is their flagship product, which is a ready-to-drink powder that comes in a 30-day stick pack that works as an energy and focus enhancer. Flow was created to improve your focus, increase your alertness, enhance your creativity so you can tackle the prime tasks of the day while staying in a creative flow state. On top of that, there are no energy crashes with their product flow, which means an improved mood and enthusiastic approach to business. 
These benefits are a supreme advantage for entrepreneurs and high performers to sustain their performance on a regular basis. Flow is an instant and sustained boost. It can be a replacement or enhancement for coffee so you no longer require many cups per day to combat lethargy and the sluggish part of the day just to stay on top of things. Flow will give you what you need to get your brain cells firing so you can optimize your work results, hit your goals, have more time doing what you love, and spending time with loved ones so you can seize each and every day. When you sign up for Seize's VIP list, you get first access and can receive 50% off the pre-launch offer, you guys. That is half off during this pre-launch offer. Just head over to Seize.life forward slash the business method. That's Seize, S-I-I-Z, Seize.life forward slash the business method to get your discount. We'll put all the links in the show notes, you guys. And now let's hop back into the interview. Yeah, I, I know, like, we were talking about this before we we started the, the interview, but um, it's, you know, earlier today, we were on another podcast interview, and we were talking with that individual about uh, the hardships he faced uh, owning gyms and sleeping on the floor of gyms because he couldn't pay for rent, and and all the things that kind of propelled him into uh, his nine-figure business that he has, and so... Uh, what were some of those times for you that that the struggle and the hardship that helped you that helped propel you into the person the individual the entrepreneur that you are today so um i definitely i would say that so one of my favorite sayings is um do you actually have 10 years of experience or do you have one year of experience repeated 10 times yeah i like that i like that and I would say that I had one year of experience, probably repeated five or six times. That's better and, than average, right? Because usually it's nine yeah, or ten right? times, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and and that is just me really eating it. Yeah, right. Um, like I viscerally remember, like I was broke for most of my entrepreneurial career, mm-hmm. right? And you know, and and I would say that there was a, a lot of tolerance of that narrative of being broke because what I saw in startup culture was this glorification of, oh, you have to go this route of being super broke. And then, and it becomes a badge of honor for eventually when all of a sudden you just succeed overnight. Mm -hmm. So I, I believe that you have what you tolerate. And for me, I tolerated things to a point where I became unconscious to just how much I accepted in my life. So when you ask that question, I I look at the uh, specificity of it, of when did I actually change things so that it propelled me to make a difference? And it honestly wasn't until maybe two, three years, like three years ago, Mm -hmm. where the, the significant shifts and changes actually started to happen. Uh, compared to, you know, this, you know, the typical story of, um, you know, like, I, I remember not having uh, enough money to pay for the heat, right? So I would, you know, walk into the bathroom and see my breath while I'm doing my cold showers in the morning. <laughs> and, you know, and, um, you know, I remember the... So these are unintentional cold showers, right? Not like you're trying to do cold no, these, showers. This was, this was the actual cold shower. But when I got out, it was even colder in my, you know, in my, <laughs> in my apartment, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, re- I remember the time of, you know, my agency days. Um, and this is like, before I started actually getting good clients in the agency, this was when I was like, trying to get 
you know, get started. Right. Where I had enough ticket to either get lunch or buy a train ticket to go into New York City to go to a networking event to maybe meet a client that day. Yeah. And and that was my my reality. You know, I I joke with a lot of people that, um, well, it's not really a joke, but you know, I, I share with a lot of people that, um, you know, the way that I ate for a while, right, um, was I sat down with restaurant owners and gave them advice while I just ate a meal, right? Because I couldn't afford it otherwise. And, you know, and it was a, it was a, it was a hilarious contrast because, you know, maybe even a year before that, um, you know, I was selling a bunch of, you know, cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, illegally, which is now le- legal in a <laughs> lot of places, right? Right. So you, so I went from the contrast of experiencing, you know, selling, uh, collecting like fifty to hundred thousand dollars worth of cash on a weekly basis to virtually nothing, mm-hmm. and then having the toggle between those two mindsets and um, of like, okay, well, you know, the the illegal way is how I make a boatload of money, and the legal way I gotta hustle my face off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, more about that shift for you. Cause, cause I love how you put that. Do you have 10 years ex- of experience or do you have one year of experience repeated 10 times? I definitely have uh, experienced the latter for sure. And, and one of the things that, um, you know, when 2019 hit, we were getting ready to hit 2020 as coming up on like 10 years as an entrepreneur. And I was looking back on, uh, my career as an entrepreneur. And I was like, what are the things that I started 10 years prior that um, that if I stuck with uh, if, with for that entire ten years, I, I would be much better off than I am today. And and I was selling in two thousand nine. I was selling on Amazon, and I did it for like six months. And I was like, oh, this doesn't work. And in two thousand eleven, like a friend told me to start a YouTube channel, and I was like, Nah, I'm too busy. I don't want because I was traveling the world. It would have been really cool. I was like, No, nah, I'm too busy. I've got other priorities, right? I've got this other niche website you know, keyword thing I'm doing. And, uh, if I would have stuck with those, which to be fair, you know, you've got to go through your own process, you know, life would be much different. And so at the end of that decade in 2019, the end of 2019, I was thinking, okay, what's going to be, what's my next 10 years going to be like? Cause quite often as entrepreneurs, it takes a significant amount of years and sometimes up to 10 years before you even like, before things start to like really settle in and click for you. And I don't think that's what a lot of people realize is or willing to put the time in because they think, oh, I'm 25. I'm not going to work for pennies and be broke for the next 10 years when I'm 35. But if you if you you think about the payoffs, which are unlimited, if you do put those 10 years in and then say you have a seven figure business and even if you make, you know, pay yourself a couple hundred thousand dollars a year out of that seven figure business, you're still doing extremely well and better off if you just took the six figure job for the past 10 years. Right. And the rest of your life, 35 until you die is really limitless, but it takes that those nuts and bolts. So, um, more, if we could dive more Zion into that shift, uh, what it was for you exactly how you felt, um, and then how you either resisted that transition or just kind of dove into it. Um, yeah, so I'm glad that these questions are going to actually dovetail because the thing I wanted to share as you were sharing was um, I don't believe in just putting in the 10 years of work, right? Okay. It's putting in the 10 years of work with the right support mechanism and support structures around you so that 
um, you know, your 10 years are really borrowing from the accelerated path of uh, where every single one year is taking the borrowed accelerated path of someone's 30, 40, 50 years. Right. Right. And, you know, and that's what I wish I did earlier. Yeah. And because the biggest shift and change for me was that I finally hired a coach. Right. That was because it. my that was pride. It. Yeah. Because my my pride uh, wouldn't let it get in the way. But, you know, but I didn't hire a business coach. And I think this is an important distinction because um, the coach, because I knew business, right? Like there's, there's only so many, like, you know, I chat with my friends, there's a lot of things I learned, of course. And, um, but for me, it wasn't the business issue that was necessarily getting in the way, mm-hmm. right? It's like, okay, well, I see a pattern here where I'm able to grow these things really well. I've already cracked multiple seven figures I already, you know, um, you know, got onto like eight figures, like what's happening here, right? Because I can make all the money, but I'm not keeping it. So there must be a pattern that keeps reoccurring here. And, you know, the way that converse, uh, the coach had a conversation with me is, yeah, there's unconscious patterns that are running the show mm-hmm. inside of your world and unconscious programming where the tape just keeps playing over and over and over again. And, you know, the pride in me just kept saying, well, I don't know if I believe that. Like, how bad could it be? <laughs> Right. It's like, well, how bad could it be? And then, and I, and, and, and I think that once I started to really bring these things forth into my level of awareness, when I started to really work with my coach, I didn't realize how predictable I actually was. Mm. And I cried, like it was jarring. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like um, it was jarring to see oh, okay, so the relationship that I just, you know, uh, you know, when you and I met, I was engaged, right? And the relate, we're actually just getting out of my engagement. And it's like, oh, so that pattern was the same pattern that played out in my last three relationships. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying, I was just learning the lesson over again. Oh, the business pattern that played out was the same pattern that played out all over again, which is why all the businesses ended in the same way that they did, right? right? right. And- um, so I would say for me, it was really understanding the paradigm and really understanding the lens of, well, you are continuing to, you are going to continue to receive the same lesson until you actually learn it. And until you learn it, you're not going to actually be ready for the next lesson. Mm. And this is why some people you know, truly grow at a faster rate than others because it's their, and, and you know, and everyone talks about mindsets, right? And, and and to me, like mindsets, this like overused word of like, what does it mean anyways, right? But when you start to really understand, like when you start to really plot the difference of the rate of growth of different individuals, you start to see what's the actual relationship that they have to learning lessons right. from whatever it is that they're receiving and the actual aspect of receiving these lessons and are they welcoming them? Are they excited for them or are they bracing themselves for them? Right. Because this, because so many people go through life with a certain aspect of what they have experienced as pain, but who actually ever told you that this is pain? 
pain to begin with, right? So even if I dangled what, you know, uh, so so many people are so uh, addicted to pain that if I actually gave you an experience of pleasure, that pleasure is so um, different and so foreign to your world because of your addiction to pain, that pleasure would actually be received as pain. Yeah. And this is fundamentally, you know, the biggest and first kind of domino that I believe that someone has to go, go over in order to really start to see how are they operating in the world. It, it makes so much sense because we as humans can really be addicted to our own drama and like you mentioned, pain in a way where if you even yes. tell somebody that they're addicted to their own drama or pain, they're very resistant of it or defensive of it. And like you mentioned, they're foreign, like pleasure is foreign to them. When they experience it, they resist it or run away or experience it as pain also. I, I love how you describe this, Zion. So it seems like we would want to learn our own lessons more rapidly. And probably the individuals that grow faster internally and maturing, they're learning their, their own lessons faster in some sort of way. So how can we as individuals yeah. be better at learning our own lessons faster? Well, so can I give a very concrete example here yeah, of please. something that um, oftentimes is received as pain, but can start to become a pleasurable experience, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's feedback. Right. Like, like how many times, you know, Chris, if, you know, Chris, if I came to you, I was like, Hey, Chris, like, can I give you some feedback? You're like, mm, I don't know about that. Like, it's like, yes. And what's he going to say? Right. Exactly. Right. So, so there's this aspect of it's our relationship to feedback. And in that case, it's a, a very uh, concrete uh, example of feedback. And of course there's a feedback from everything, but the rate at which anybody grows has to do with reflection and taking a different action and the rate at which you're able to do so. Right. Right. So, um, so this is the same thing, you know, that we kind of said earlier, right. Do you actually have 10 years of experience or one year of experience repeated 10 times? Well, you know, the person who is going through their month and only reflecting one time is, you know, going to go at a very slower <laughs> rate of growth. than the person who is really reflecting every single day and asking themselves, well, was there something that I could have improved on? Mm. Right. So, so you just have, um, so that's a very practical way of doing that. Um, and then the second way is just really looking at, well, where in your life do you, are you actually resisting a level of feedback? Where in your life are you actually looking at fear? Where in your life are you actually uh, more so living in your activations mm -hmm. of resistance? Right. Or where have you become so unconscious to it? Right. So so one of the most confronting things that I always tell people is um, the, your world is a mirror of your current reality. Right. But every single thing that you have in your life is a, either conscious or unconscious decision that you have made on your world. Right. And it's a perfect, perfect mirror, including how you look, how your body looks, the people in your world, your friends, whether they're great or not so great, and your bank account, yeah. right? Your business level, whatever it is, right? It's all the truest and most honest reflection of everything that you chose. And can you actually start there and look at the truth of what 
what's actually there in front of you. And this could be the, the most freeing thing to hear, or, or you could be very stuck as a, a reactionary victim response to that as well. And so what came up for me when you mentioned that is that, you know, a lot of people are really willing to look at certain different areas, like maybe it's relationships or physical looks or, or business bank account career or family. And some people are really good at looking at some areas and then really bad at looking at not looking at other areas because of some sort of defense mechanism. What are some systems or ways that you can be more cognizant of your own actions and behaviors, unconscious behaviors in your own life to, to make sure you're not resisting. Like you, yeah, yeah. For example, you're doing really good career wise right now, but maybe there's an area of your life where you're not doing so well and you need help with sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I would suggest that if everyone hasn't already to kind of like look at this concept called the life wheel, um, it's, and you can just Google life wheel and just pick whatever. And you'll, it'll basically see a wheel that has all these different categories of your life. Right. So it might be something like physical environment, fun and recreation, personal growth, romance, family and friends, health, and so on. Right. And essentially the exercises, um, score yourself on a, a scale of one to 10 on how you would rate yourself in each one of these different areas. Mm-hmm. And then you would ask yourself, okay, well, um, what would make it a 10? If it's not a 10, what would make it a 10? And then the visual here is the thought of, well, if your wheel has a bunch of fours, threes, twos, sevens, and eights, and you rolled it down a hill, how much of a great wheel would that be? <laughs> it'd be a lumpy wheel. It wouldn't roll too well. Right. It'd be a, lump, it'd be a lumpy wheel, right? So, so one of these things is actually just understanding, you know, what's actually important to you, right? And, and for a lot of people, um, I'd say that, you know, they just haven't taken proper inventory of the different areas of their life. Yeah. And, you know, because it's okay for you to say, hey, for this part of my life, I'm going to currently put on plus. Mm-hmm. But let that be a conscious decision that you made, which is very different from, oh my God, like I'm trying to figure this all out and you're falling victim to not focusing on the area of your life, right? Like, um, like health, right? Um, I have very consciously in the past put my health on pause. Yeah. You know, because I was like, I, I basically told myself I'm going to increase the level of fun at in my life at the expense of my health. <laughs> okay. This is to increase is, your social, your your happiness in your social life, I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. To increase. Yeah. Yes. Right. And I and I said, look, I'm not going to work out, but this is what I'm signing up for. Um, yeah, this is an awful example, but it's true. Right. There was a time in my life where I just said, hey, yeah. look. I'm making a conscious decision to pause. And now I'm very much not in that phase of like, well, I want to have just as much fun, but not at the expense of my health. Right. (laughs) So, so I get to really look at this and, you know, and everyone gets to really look at this at their own lives and just look at what categories of your life are really important to you. Right. And, you know, before we hopped on this call, uh, we were talking about office space, right? Like I didn't like, you know, I have a beautiful home that overlooks the lake. Mm-hmm. everyone asked me, well, why don't you like working from there? It's like, well, I don't like working in my home period because <laughs> right? I have a lake retreat home and, you know, and I much prefer to get an office. And yeah. this was one of those dimensions of, um, Hey, like this is really important for me to have separation 
uh, between work and home. So when I get home, I completely stop work. I find that, Zion, I'm curious, some of the, the systems you use for this, I find that like always having a system to revert back to consciously reviewing our own patterns and behaviors, seeing where we may succeed and, and where we don't. And one of the things that I do, like I every quarter I make new goals that are in alignment with my life goals. There's a mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical goal that goes up every quarter. Every week I review those and then I make a plan for the week. And that's my ritual every Monday morning. So any type of system that I can add to my life to increase the clarity and decrease the friction and also help me learn the lessons from the previous week or month or quarter is extremely beneficial. And the life wheel sounds really cool. I think I want to check that one out too. But for you, what are what are the go-to systems? And maybe you learned it from some of your coaches that you use to continually yeah. stay on, on target for what your balance in your life, your goals are, review in your life, et cetera. Yeah, so I have um, a daily reflection process that I'm recommitting to at the moment. Mm -hmm. And this is, and the type of reflection that I do is really challenging if you don't have a certain level of self-awareness on why, uh, why certain things are occurring in your life. So uh, for example, um, I might notice that I didn't share something with somebody that day and I'll document it. And then I'll ask myself, well, why didn't I share? Share something like... I like something um, you were resisting. Yeah, just share my truth in the moment, whatever okay. it might be, okay. right? Um, let's say that it was, um, you know, someone I wanted to ask out on a date, or let's say it was a business deal where I didn't ask for the amount of money that I wanted, or let's say that I did ask for the amount of money that I wanted, but I felt a little squirrely inside and it didn't come out powerfully and in uh, um, uh, high levels of confidence, like, whoa, what happened there as well, right? right? So it's, um, so I would say with, if for people that are just starting to really take inventory throughout their day, rather than at the end of their day, to really look at, well, what were those moments of friction whatsoever? Like, what were the moments where you felt any emotional activation, where you felt any uh, level of anger or frustration or sadness or jealousy or whatever it might be, right? Where there was an emotional response of something that came up and then ask yourself, well, what was happening at this time when I felt this emotional response? Right. And then ask yourself the question of, well, what's the less, like, why did I feel that way? And what's the lesson that's here for me? It's like, well, I did respond, you know, like Chris said something about me and like, I noticed that in my inner world, I was super activated. Mm -hmm. Like, why was I super activated? And then ask yourself the question, what part of that is actually true? Mm. Even if it's just by a grain, like a, a grain of sand true, right? It doesn't have to be completely true. And, and this again has to go with feedback, right? Is a lot of people when they receive feedback, they're like, you know, if it's not 100% true, they don't receive it. But it's actually asking, well, this person's bringing it up. So what part of it is even 1% true for me? And you'll start to actually real and you'll you'll start to actually notice, wow, um, you know, there's a lot of things that are kind of hidden away, but your emotions become portals into developing deeper levels of awareness and unlocking, you know, um, different parts of you that really want to be seen, different parts of you that want to be heard. And, and, you know, and really sitting in this exercise on a daily basis of, mm -hmm. oh, wow, you know, this person said that and this is how I felt around it. Why is that? 
right? And and you'll start to notice when you read back of your things. It's like, you know, I remember um, after reflecting for three or four days on something, I just re- read this. It's like I said the same shit four days in a row. Uh-huh. I am now having the same conversation with myself four days in a row, and I still haven't done the thing. And then sometimes that's enough for me to realize, wow, I'm stuck in the spiral, right? I'm not, not, not a spiral. I'm sorry. A spiral would mean some upward or downward uh, direction. I was stuck in a loop. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. There you go. And, you know, and, you know, and, and sometimes that feedback of being in the loop is powerful. So that's uh, a little bit of, of that practice um, in the, in the oversimplified simplest form there. Is this you taking a mental note and just having a mental conversation or do you, uh, no, do you like, write it down? Yeah. Write it down. Okay. Like it's, it's the opportunity for you to get your thoughts, patterns, beliefs. Um, I, I, I made this up and this might offend some people, but that's okay. Right. I, I say it's like kind of like the PTSD aspects and I don't mean post-traumatic stress disorder. It's like the patterns, the stories, the trauma and the drama, right? right. Like what's the story that I'm making up here? that's actually potentially not true, right? Like, is this actually what happened? Or is this me living in the, uh, the potential realms of what happened? And just getting it out of your head, everything out of your head, dumping it on paper so that it gets to a form of reality so you can create some space between yourself and your thoughts and you can just read it, right? Because mm-hmm. at some point you'll start to realize you are not your thoughts. And the things that are floating around in your thoughts were programmed into you by your upbringing and they are not actually you. Right. But it's hard to do that when they're all floating and percolating in your mind the entire time. Yeah. As you know, like I dabble in, in neuroscience and learning about how the brain works. And one thing that was a big eye opener for me is there's a guy named Dr. Daniel Amen who's one of the top neuroscientists in the world and has more done more brain scans and brain work than probably anybody on the planet at this point. And um, he said, you don't have to believe your thoughts. And for me, that was kind of a real eye-opener to think, you know, a lot of times just because we think we have the thoughts, we think we have to believe them or they're true for us. And it, we don't have to believe those. And so say, for example, like you have a really bad day and you're like, ah, I'm just stupid or I'm not good enough. That's a thought you don't have to believe that doesn't mean really anything about you other than like that emotion you're feeling at the time. Like that's a great mental check-in where you can say, oh, why am I having this? Is this true? Like you mentioned. And I think it's so incredibly empowering for people to realize that just because you have a thought doesn't mean you have to believe it. Doesn't mean it's true. Doesn't even mean it's real. It's just one of the 60,000 thoughts that go through your brain on a daily basis. And you can choose which thoughts you want to believe, which ones you want to be empowered by or controlled by, and which ones you don't. Yeah. So a a really fun question that you can add into this is, okay, so this is the way that I responded, or this is the way that I uh, reacted. Where did I learn this behavior from? Mm -hmm. Did I learn it from mom? Usually you can just start with, did I learn it from mom or dad? Right, right. This, this tendency of me not sharing the things I want to share and just people pleasing for all the people around me. Did I learn this from mom or dad? And for most people, when I ask that question, like mom, dad, immediate, absolute, fact, matter of fact answers of something that's ridiculously quick, right? Because 
your thoughts and patterns are have been programmed and primed based on your historical and societal upbringing mm -hmm. and they're not yours but when you can start to realize oh wow this is still mom mom is running the show here mom is living my life here dad is living my life here and you can again start to create that separation then you'll you'll start to realize wow like who am i actually when i stop living my life with the learned patterns of how i've been programmed by my parents right right well put i want to address the listeners right now a lot of you guys are, are probably thinking like, why, why are Chris and Zion diving so deep into personal development and emotions and thought patterns? But as an entrepreneur, one, I think the more you become self-aware of your own patterns and behaviors, the more, here's a good term, you can scale it. So you can take your own patterns and behaviors and scale them and shift them in your own thoughts and change them so you can build uh, a more successful business, a more successful life. You can add more value to the world. You can help more more people in their lives. And so uh, it goes back to kind of what what sent us down this rabbit hole in the first place. Your big shift, one of your big shifts happened when you decided to get a coach. And so if you don't mind sharing, who that coach was, why you decided to hire that person, and then even how much you decided to invest in that person. Yeah. So you could, so the listeners can understand like, oh, you know, it's okay to hire somebody, you know, at the right time yeah. for the right reasons. Yeah. So the coaches that I hired um, were Marla Mattinson and Julian Coker and uh, historic, like in the public eye, they're actually uh, more well known as uh, the intimacy experts okay um so they actually coach more they, they've actually coached quite a bit of entrepreneurial couples okay and when you look at the crux of what they really coach on it's relationships okay and i hired them on the back end of me exiting a relationship uh, which is my engagement um, but then when i realized that all the work that they do is relevant and this kind of goes back to what you're sharing earlier with the audience and why are we talking about all this stuff because everything in the world comes down to your energy, like your energetic response and your emotional response to different sets of relationships in your life. Okay. And that's your relationship to yourself, which is of course what we're talking about here, right. your relationship to others or your team. Hello. So this is why this is such a big component in leadership development and team development. Um, your, your relationship to your work, and, you know, for the spiritual folks listening in, it's your relationship to spirit or mm -hmm. your spiritual relationship. So, um, so I hired them because I just knew that I was stuck. I had no idea what I was signing up for because I didn't even believe that I had subconscious patterns or <laughs> unconscious programming that could be running the show. It's like, of course not. Right. It's like, how bad could it be? Right. Like right. I said earlier. So, um, so level of investment, one month, and they've raised their prices now, but one month at the time was um, 25,000 paid in full. Nice. Okay. One month. Now I've charged this before, but at the time I didn't have it. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I just come off of uh, a business that I, you know, that, you know, where we just let go of 35 people. I was in debt. Uh, I was at an all-time low in my confidence as an entrepreneur. And 
was like 20, 25,000. It's like, that sounds obscene for one month. For one right? month. Yeah. And then eventually, um, you know, I made it work. I paid, paid it off. And then there was this growth experience I had just in what I learned of making the investment. But then there's this other aspect of, well, then the 10 month container for the coaching contract ended up being a multi six figure investment. And that for me was at that, up until that point in my life, um, I was ridiculously proud of being able to pay that off okay. um, in full before we started the contract. Just so we can gather, like what was what included in that? What was included in that month? Are you doing in-person sessions or video calls yeah. or workbook? Uh, or? Yeah. So it was. Um, so I want I want everyone to just imagine this for a moment. That so they're they operate as a couple. So it's kind of like a, so you kind of get a two for one deal. As in, if one person misses something, the other person will always catch it. And so it's actually two coaches at the same okay. time. Now. Um, they've really mastered their dynamic in terms of how they really operate. So we start off with a four hour immersion session where we're just kind of pulling the thread out and looking at what's that thread attached to and what's all the material that that one thread's attached to, right? So it's pulling it out. It's like, well, that's a lot of things and a lot of things like the cobweb of all of the material and, mm -hmm. and how everything touches everything here. So um, then we have um, on the calendar, just weekly sessions uh, where it's an hour a week. But then in between, I have a running Google Doc where I basically dump my brain and that reflection exercise that I, I we've been talking about, I actually do it and then they look at it, right? So it's every single decision that I make in my life, every single thought that I have, every single thing that bothers me, I write it in there and they look at it. Mm -hmm. Because even though I don't think it's useful, they might see a blind spot or a way that I'm operating in the world or some, or, or ask me some confronting question that I typically don't want to hear. Right. And, and, um, and that's really what I'm paying for, right. Is, is someone to look and, and so my level of what I receive is directly correlated to what I'm willing to share. Right. And, you know, and I'll be honest, like in the beginning I was sharing a lot and then eventually I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to see some of this stuff anymore. <laughs> and, right. Um, you know, and, and one of the my favorite quotes that uh, Julian shared with me is, um, the degree to which a person can grow is directly proportional to the amount of truth he can accept about himself without running away. I love that. I love that. And, you know, simply put, um, have you watched The Matrix before? Yeah, yeah. Do you know the scene where, where Morpheus, you know, goes into, Neo and he says, Hey, do you want to take the red pill or the blue pill? Of course, yeah. And the blue pill is blissful ignorance and the red pill is the inconvenient truth. Uh -huh. Right. This is that every moment of every day. Yeah. Is would you rather know and take the red pill? Or would you just be happy not knowing, live in blissful ignorance and not knowing? <laughs> yeah. And there comes a time where you know the truth of how you're operating the world might not be so attractive to you. And I got to a point where it's like, I'm going to need a hard break here on, you know, I don't know if I'm going to see anything more at the moment. And then, you know, and then of course, switching gears back to, okay. Right. And this goes back to what we were sharing earlier of what is your relationship to receiving that truth? 
because it is in fact directly correlated to how fast and how much you can grow. Right. And for some people, you know, they, they, this is literally where that saying like make a mountain out of molehill um, kind of comes from of like make a, um, a big thing out of a little thing. <laughs> it's like most entrepreneurs, um, you know, like the conversation that we're having, this is the conversation I have with the most people, uh, with most of the people I coach is because they don't need the tactical thing because the thing that's getting in the way is not the tactical thing. It's the thing that 10X is the business is just how they feel yeah. about what they're doing, right? And what are the patterns for why they're doing something, why they're not doing something, becoming consciously aware to what those things are. And, you know, I would say like, there's no business problems, there's personal problems that masquerade as business problems. And, you know, for us, like this couldn't be the more appropriate topic for what we're talking about, because um, this, in my opinion, if is, will apps can absolutely shift the way that you're doing things in, in the fastest, quickest quantum leap possible. Uh, I love all that you're sharing. I, I want to ask you. Uh, there's so how does one find a good or a great coach? A lot of times there's so much stuff out there. Anybody can be a coach these days. They don't have to have any experience. Sometimes they're charging more than certified professionals that have been working for years and they've never coached anybody or just a few people in their lives. So what's your thermometer, your gauge to help you realize this person's or this couple or this team is a, a great coach to yeah. work with? Um, so there's a, there's a fun question in your question, which I think a lot of people have to come to, mm -hmm. which is, uh, am I hiring a coach, a consultant, or a mentor, and what's the difference? Because mm -hmm. um, a mentor is someone who's been there, done that, and you're borrowing from their experience, so you can skip a couple steps. Okay. A consultant has also kind of done that, but they're doing the work on your behalf to increase the chances of success. You're not just looking for advice there. Right. A coach may have necessarily never done the thing that you're looking for, but the space that they operate in is a thought partner so that you can be clear on the way that you want to navigate the question. Mm -hmm. Because the fundamental tenet of coaching is that you actually have all the answers. It's just getting super clear on what is your absolute truth and what that answer is, right? And the, and the simple, you know, like there's so many people that ask me, hey, Zion, do you think I should do this or this? Like, okay, well, how do you feel about A? It's like, well, I really don't like it. Well, why not? It's like, because of this, this, and this. And I think it's a horrible idea because of this, this, and this. It's like, okay, well, why do you want to do it? It's like, well, I think I should. Well, why? Right? So then, you know, that thought. So it's like, okay, well, are you noticing everything that you're sharing about this option? It's like, yeah, I really, it doesn't sound like I really want to do it. But, and then like, great. So you should probably not go with that option. Like, wow, you're right. So, because what a lot of people don't appreciate is, how little time they actually spend in reflection of their thoughts. It's the meta layer, yeah. right? And, and I know you'd appreciate this, right? It's the metacognitive layer of the analysis of your thoughts. And then it's the analysis of your analysis of your thoughts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And a proper coach should be able to really do that with you. And if you, you know, and if you really don't know, I would just say, Hey, look, um, can we have a session? one session where we work through something and let's see and let's see 
And if that coach doesn't, you don't feel like you've made a significant level of progress in that. And you don't feel like that coach has asked you some questions that like have really made you think and pause. Because if you're able to give a quick reaction and response to the answer immediately when someone asks it, it doesn't mean that it's, it, it's a thought that you've actually thought before. Yeah. And the place where you're in true contemplation and that thought of the meta analysis of your thought and then the analysis of that thought is when you have to really pause because then all the neuropathies in your brain are really, you know, starting to rewire themselves to be like, okay, there's a new possibility here in my world, but are you actually feeling that level of pressure and, and that uh, where someone's really pressing on you in that call? And the answer is no. And, you know, cause you don't need someone to buy your bullshit. And a lot of people hire people that do. Yeah. Right. So I would say if you're not at least, you know, activated like 10 times by the time you're off that call, then you probably have the wrong person. (laughs) I I, I really like how you put that because um, so often people will buy or invest in coaching or seminars or experiences where um, they, they feel safe. And so they're not being called on their bullshit from this coach or this mentor or whoever it may be and they're still playing it safe and then just getting a feel good type of reinforcement that oh you know like um uh, you know not that what i'm doing is 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 okay is already okay it is okay whatever you're going through in life but that um that they just they just they're not really serving me in my own growth because they're afraid or they don't know how to properly analyze you yeah, because growth growth can only happen in your edges of discomfort. Yeah, exactly. And if you're not consistently and constantly uncomfortable, then your rate of growth is severely limited. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure this has been true for every single guest that you've had on this podcast, is they have a so certain relationship to discomfort mm-hmm. in their world and to fear in their world, right? And uh, for those of you listening, I'm using air quotes, right? Because um, it, it really comes down to, well, what is fear actually? And what's, you know, what is fear actually inside of your realm? Zion, just so the listeners can get like perspective on the shift that you had when you did start doing coaching, what are some of the results that you've achieved over the past three years since that shift has happened for you? Yeah, so I hired my coaches probably the same week I met you, uh, which is in Dan's backyard. That was in February of 2020. Yes. Okay. Um, So at that point, I was um, trying to end my relationship powerfully, and that was my engagement. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in multiple um, six figures of debt. Um, I had essentially zero businesses at the time, Um, and I was just trying to get by, trying to like make oh boy like i've been happy just you know trying to make like ten fifteen thousand dollars a month right and just trying to like get this is my version of getting by at the time right uh, or sometimes even less i was just like just like let me just get back to like par right it's just like always worried about money and all these other things um and it's so amazing like how quickly you can shift into that level of consciousness mm-hmm. as well of you know being someone that's like flowing and then it's not right so so that was a state that I was in before coaching. Um, and I wouldn't say that I was very happy living my life. I would I, I would say that I was a shell of a human. I didn't really experience joy. Mm. I wasn't really happy, which of all was, I didn't know 
like I didn't know how far from joy I actually was until I was able to actually experience people deep, <laughs> deeper levels of joy. Right. So that was very much where I was pre-coaching um, in, and let's just go. So that was in February. This is June, June of 2020. So it's four months later, uh, later, height of the pandemic, right. Um, cleared all my debt. Right. Um, so this is multi six figures in debt on top of the multi six figure coaching investment that I made Okay. all in full. So I probably generated well over um, half a million, like, yeah, generated well over half a million dollars of cash um, in four months Nice. from trying to make like five to $10,000 a month. Right. So that's one. Um, since then in just, you know, fast forward all of 2020, uh, I, I built and launched two seven figure businesses, one six figure business in 2020 alone. Um, I participated and guided and helped, um, probably like seven different seven figure launches. Um, uh, working with some of the top coaching thought leaders in the world, um, you know, such as the former head of leadership at Google, um, you know, top team coaches that have coached like Facebook and JP Morgan and, and, and so on and so forth. Right. Right. Um, and I work with, uh, five or six clients where they at least all double their business. So they're between one and 10 million in revenue and they at least double their business with most folks um uh doubling or even 4xing or even 10xing their businesses so that's like the other category and then um since then in, in the last couple months i now have a portfolio of six companies um three of which now are at seven figures and the rest are at six right so and now we work with some of the top thought leaders in our industry um you know so with you know quite quite the quite the client list uh, at the moment across the board uh, you know between all of our companies, um, and this was kind of a, a really fun moment the other day was um, where we had one company reach out to one of my partners in another business, and you know we're talking about like an equity deal potentially buying the company and so on, and then you know then I'm on the call with one of our other businesses and we're looking at the client list this is the pay traffic agency so we run digital ads for um, some of the largest direct-to-consumer um, uh, health and wellness brands in the world right so well, one of them being um, for Golden Hippo um, that's a um, billion dollar company owns like 45 brands one of their brands it's Dr. Gundry um, that does probably two to three hundred million a year um, so we manage well over eighty thousand dollars to spend a day uh, with them. So we own, we run seven other brands, right? So I was looking at the client list and helping them, you know, we just partnered with this agency. And I was like, oh, like they're a client of ours already in this, in this other business. And they have no idea that, you know, I now am a partner in both of them, right? Mm -hmm. now I, I own both of these businesses. So, um, so that was a kind of like fun, fun little moment of just this, um, how it seems like all these things are kind of caving in on themselves. But yeah, that's, that's been the last year and a half. That is, uh, really, those are absolutely phenomenal results. I mean, phenomenal. Like you think about that, like 18 months basically and creating yeah. all that from being in a place where, uh, over six figures in debt, you know, dumping another six figures in coaching and you're like, Hey, let's go, let's do this thing. Amazing. That's phenomenal. So I think the premise of this interview is get a coach. <laughs> Try them out first. Make yeah. sure you thoroughly analyze the coach, right? Make sure you're getting the right ones. But 
to make shifts like that, imagine if you could do that on a yearly basis. And I would imagine you probably, are you still coaching with people or do you have a coach now? Or I, I think I have even more coaches now. And I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. Um, it's it, uh, what coaching really does. It just helps you reduce the time of sucking at something. Right. <laughs> Good point. Um, like, yeah, I, I hired a surf coach, uh-huh. right. Who's, you know, he's like a top 25 surfer in the world. I don't pay him more than I, you know, it's like a hundred something dollars a session. Right. But every time I go, like I'm in Texas now, this is when I was living in San Diego, but every time I'd go out, I would catch like 12 to 13 waves. Mm-hmm. Whenever I went out by myself, I would catch zero to three <laughs> right. because I just wanted to reduce the amount of time I sucked and I just wanted to enjoy surfing more. Yeah. Right. And this is just so true about any aspect of your life is if you want to significantly increase the aspect of any area of your life, then why do you like, what do you have to prove to anyone on taking the hard path? Right. Because this was me. Right. I was trying to prove to me that I can do it on my own. But why? Just so I could be like, yeah, I sucked for that much longer than you did. (laughs) And that's that's the narrative I get to tell today. Right. Which is, hey, guys, I sucked for eight years of my life just so I could tell that story of how I finally asked and reached out for help and was willing to be in the vulnerability of my uh, of help. It's like, wow, well, look at finally, like I, I got some help and look how quickly it changed shit for me. <laughs> I love that, man. That might be a great title for the show. Reduce the amount of time you suck with Zion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, we're going to have to wrap things up here. Um, and I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. It, it, it went off into another rabbit hole that I didn't expect, but um, well, well said and well played because I think this is the type of stuff that so many entrepreneurs, like we like to get into nuts and bolts of how to build our businesses and that stuff's important too. But if you're not getting into the nuts and bolts of how you operate on a daily, day, daily basis, uh, you're never going to get to where you want to go. Uh, and if, even if you do, it's going to take much longer if you don't focus on these things. So, um, Zion, I, I've loved this, man. If the listeners want to learn more about you and what you have going on with your companies, uh, where's the best place they can do that at? Yeah. So, um, we have a ton of things that we've been giving away recently on, uh, resources on scaling your business. Uh, I currently have no idea where any of those things are. <laughs> so the, <laughs> the, um, best place is, um, to add me on Facebook at Zion Kim, just say, um, that you know you heard me on the podcast and then i have a facebook group for culture operations or recruitment um that is you know we we talk about all different types of topics on scaling there um yeah otherwise reach out and i'm happy to get you um any of the free scaling resources we have we've launched so many new things that um are be so useful for you Mm -hmm. Um, and those are really all on the operating system for business and of course this whole conversation is more on your internal internal operating system for how you can really move past your shit nice if there's some some businesses out there that do want to work with you guys um what's your target of business i believe you said one to yeah um three million or five million or something like that yeah so any business that's doing one to ten million uh we solve two core problems um, your business has either plateaued in growth mm-hmm. or you feel like you're working too much in the business. Like we've helped people go from working 60 hours a week to less than 20 hours a week uh, in their business uh, while the business is still growing. I, I think that's a good caveat. To yes. Have. 
Um, and, you know, we're really great at working with uh, folks that are already between uh, over a million in revenue. But if you're um, even at like half a million, you have product market fit and you have a, a really solid growth mechanism that can be scaled, uh, then we can work with that as well. Nice. Perfect. All right, buddy. Um, I've loved this. Thank you so much for sharing all your tips and your tricks and wisdom with us. I know this is going to be a great show. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Listeners, we're going to wrap up there. Thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us. And once again, we wanted to remind you about our adventures and trips for entrepreneurs in our private community. If you enjoy luxury trips to the Caribbean, going on bucket list adventures around the world, or just traveling to connect with other established entrepreneurs, then be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to stay connected at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. Thanks for joining the show today, and we'll see you on the next episode.